Very good afternoon to all of you. And thank you for joining the Q3 Career Management Forum. Um, I am Gwen, Gwen Wilcox, the CEO of Armstrong Wolf. Um, for those of you who are not yet too familiar with Armstrong Wolf, um, we facilitate dialogue amongst all CEOs in capital markets and asset management globally. We also provide solution development in line with the changing regulatory landscape. So we also have a strong focus on human capital management, and we aim to professionalize the CEO role as a career goal, one you will choose as a destination. So you can see on this, on this slide here, the remit that we cover. As part of my remit, I manage the Women in the CEO Community Program. So this program promotes the role of the Chief Operating Officer specifically to female talent and also aims to attract talent from underrepresented groups in financial services. So the topics of diversity, inclusion and equity um, are always embedded into our program as a way to inspire our senior leaders and hopefully inspire you, the future leaders, to open opportunity for all, for true, for true cognitive diversity, we say, reflective of our society. The community we manage is all-inclusive, irrelevant of gender or seniority. So the career management forums have been running digitally throughout 2021. So we had different topics every time. Um, for your peers in North America, in EMEA, and in APAC to provide CEOs or aspiring CEOs guidance on managing their career during a disrupted period of our lives, um, working at home, at home on, or on and on between office and home has been um, has made, I suppose, networking and traditional meets with senior leaders or HR a bit more challenging. So keeping um, um, healthy had to be obviously our number one priority. We stayed at home and with that, our mission has been to ensure that despite a very intense period for all, the focus remains on you, the individual behind the role who we encourage to apply for a role as a CEO that we believe, believe is an exciting but probably very demanding one but I'm assuming um, I would also like to say very exciting role so we've been um, organizing these calls and career management forms so you, you you carry on talking about your career and think about the best way to grow um, despite obviously everything that we had to deal with um, these forums also provide um, opportunities to grow your network um, like I said, it was quite difficult, it is difficult digitally, but um, we, we have been creating smaller networking groups and we meet regularly. It's really helpful to keep connected. So if you wish to be part of one, um, please contact me. So today's topic is, is very relevant in the development of your career and developing you as a leader. The content we have developed for you today focuses on well-being strategies to manage psychological risks in the workplace and by, psycholo by psychological risk, we obviously include stress and, and obviously tremendous pressure. So these past 18 months have been, um, have been actually very pressurized. There's no doubt about it. All the normal stresses pre-COVID are still there. But in, in addition, we have had to manage significant disruptions. Um, the lines between work and personal life have, have become very blurred. We've had economic downturns, rapid changes and severe restrictions and the work has ramped up 
whilst the regulatory landscape um, is changing and has changed. All of this and more is likely to make us think about our career, why we do what we do, and sadly, the industry is seeing talented individuals, especially women, leave the industry with symptoms of burnout or poor mental health. It is therefore important that we take, we take it uh, as our responsibility to talk about mental health because behind a zero, um, behind the busy mandate that you all fulfill every day, they are people. Um, and these people have lives, we have lives, and therefore we have choices. So we all have a um, we all we all have chosen a career in financial services. Um, it is a rewarding career at best of times, and financial health is important. That's why we do what we do. But I'm hoping that today you will gain insights into the relationship between our physical health and mental well-being for a successful and fulfilling career. One you should you should, you should be in control of. So the community has been at the forefront of the response um, to COVID and has provided leadership throughout the pandemic. The next evolution for the CEO is to embrace the challenge of supporting the return to the workplace, providing empathetic and supportive leadership, learning from the lessons of the past and promoting an agenda of health and well-being. These are now part of the CEO agenda. Many organizations you would have heard are starting to offer a range of science-backed mental health programs on topics such as building resilience, preventing burnout, improving sleep, and creating a healthier relationship with technology. So the CEOs are now having to help in their ecosystems find meaning and realize purpose at work by developing various new sustainability, ESG, and uh, wellness strategies. These decisions take planning, require new skill sets in the changing landscape. Pressure is very common in the role of the COO. And at Armstrong Wharf, we offer you the opportunity to hear from your senior leaders on how they are managing psychological risks. And we also offer career management support to go through the evolution of the role. Our forms are, I hope, helpful and designed to support you. So to this end, I'm very pleased to introduce you to Mia, Mia Lankinen. Hi, Mia. Um, Mia is Singapore-based and is our Head of Career Management Practice and Career Coach um, in Asia-Pac. Um, just to note that Mia is not a health coach. Um, this is not what today is about. But we, if you need support with health-related questions, please speak to your employee assistance team or your HR team. Um, I am also delighted to welcome Fatima Bukwala. Fatima is the CEO of Markets and Security Services at HSBC. And Sanjeev, Sanjeev Virma, Head of Conduct and Control, Financial Markets at Standard Chartered. They're both very talented individuals with very impressive careers. Um, welcome to you both, and thank you for accepting to take part in this forum and discuss such an important topic. Um, Fatima, may I give you the stage to introduce yourself, please, and provide a bit of background on your career to date and tell us why perhaps the topic of mental health and managing stress and setbacks is important to you. Thank you. Thank you, Gwen. A very good afternoon and a happy Friday. I'm delighted and excited to be a part of this webinar today because the topics, as Gwen mentioned, are very close to my heart. Uh, my name is Fatima Bukwala, and I'm the CEO for Markets and Securities at HSBC Singapore. I also have regional responsibility in Thailand, Vietnam, and Philippines. 
I started my banking career 16 years ago with HSBC in India. And since then, there has not been any dull moment. I joined HSBC in primary dealership, where I received a flavor of operations and finance. After my first hand at transformation and merging the entity with the, uh, with the bank, uh, I moved to uh, fill a vacancy within market operations. It was exciting as I had a large team and uh, I was learning something new every day. A chartered accountant by qualification, I uh, decided to uh, try my hands at product control. Having covered the back to mid for markets business, I was now ready to bring my skills to front office. When I was told of the CEO opportunity, I saw it as a perfect fit for my experience and abilities. And then after a fantastic run in the India trading floor, I took my first international assignment in Singapore. From setting up a ring fence bank to large scale remediation, rec change, conduct programs and strategic projects, the role has it all. I'm passionate about sustainability and diversity and inclusion. So I do volunteer at the sustainability ERG uh, in HSBC Singapore. Thank you for having me here and look forward to the session. It's our pleasure. Uh, we'll go over to Sanjeev. Hi, Sanjeev. Thanks, Gwen. I don't think my introduction is going to be as crisp as that one. So I'm, I'm at uh, Standard Chartered Financial Markets. I actually look after non financial risk. I've been at Standard Chartered now quite a while, about 10 years in Singapore. Prior to that, I've worked across quite a number of banks, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, uh, predominantly at Goldman in the equities division. Uh, but, but more interestingly, I, you know, I don't want to be, and hopefully we'll get the questions through, through the chat, through, through this group. Um, my intention is not to kind of requote Tony Robbins and the likes of Tony Robbins and, and tell you kind of generic statements. I think this is more about how do we how do we contribute to this audience and help you with your real life issues specifically. So, a bit of background. I actually um, started many many years ago, <clears throat> actually selling ladies' fashion, um, which is very very different to uh, non-financial risk at Standard Chartered. Um, I then went on to work as a nightclub bouncer for many years, uh, probably two, three years while I was at university. Um, that taught me a totally different skill set, taught me a lot about psychology, body language, confidence, um, ability to control tough situations. Um, and then when I became a chartered accountant, and, and that was to have a solid qualification, and then just tried my hand uh, at different things, um, and ended up here at Standard Chartered in, uh, in Singapore, but being in financial services now for 30 years. Um, so I look forward to the questions, but that's, that's a kind of high level intro to me. Very impressive background, Sanjeev. Um, <clears throat> so for our audience, for our audience here, it is a live event, okay? So I encourage you to use the chat facility, as Sanjeev said. Um, feel free to ask questions to either Mia, Sanjeev or Fatima, um, on chat. It's really important that you take this time, if you can, if you have a question, please do ask it, and I will be um, verbally um, voicing your questions. So I'll be monitoring the chat for you. So let's get started. Mia, over to you. Thank you, Gwen. Wow, really impressive career paths, both Fatima and Sanjeev. I have to say, 
mine hasn't been as clear and and uh, seemingly quite planned as Fatima's, but neither has it been as exciting as Sanjeev's. Um, I've also got a 20-year background in financial services, largely with Standard Chartered, based here in Singapore. Um, but I am currently on my third career as an executive and a career coach, as well as leadership effectiveness and team effectiveness facilitator. Um, lovely. Let's talk about career management then. This webinar really is a third in a series of career management, uh, where we look at some of the key um, steps to help you plan your career and un unlock your potential. And many of us, like me definitely in my early years, have navigated our careers without much thought about what's next. We've simply uh, climbed the corporate ladder, maybe opportunities have presented themselves and people have been kind enough to take risks on us. And that has worked really well so far. But often there comes a time uh, when we may want to or even need to um, take a more proactive approach to our careers and really pause to think about what we want to happen. Um, this picture here essentially lays out the key elements that go into career planning. Over the past two quarters, uh, we've looked at this from the perspective of the COO career journey and how to navigate towards that as a destination. If you've missed uh, one of our earlier uh, sessions, you can always access the recordings of them on our website. But one key aspect to assess when you are thinking about um, and making decisions about career is also to understand the pressures that are inherent in the role and what skills and qualities are needed to manage those pressures to be successful. So um, uh, in today's uh, program, we'll really want to give you a honest view of the role of the COO. It is pressurized, uh, but it need not be stressful if we know how to manage the pressures. Um, we'll also look at some of the skill sets uh, that will be required to succeed well under pressure um, and uh, spot some, think about spotting some signs of uh, stress so that um, we can address them as well as learn some methods and strategies for managing stress in the workplace. This, this slide on, on, the, on the display here right now uh, really highlights to me the, the unique nature and, and, and breadth of the COO role. So um, uh, it, it is going to be really fascinating to see how the role evolves uh, to meet the ambiguous nature of the challenges that we face uh, currently. Uh, some examples of the pressures are listed here on the right around, for instance, the fast and ever-increasing pace, um, the lack of capacity or skills to support this business demands or uh, performance management and control in the in the work current sort of virtual working environment, um, just to mention a few. Um, Fatima and Sanjeev, it would be lovely to hear if you think that there's anything to add to this kind of list of pressures that we have here. What what are you facing currently um, that you think is worth worth sort of uh, highlighting, Fatima? Uh, so. Mia, yeah, as you mentioned, I think the change is change is very uh, you know very fast. Uh, the the workplace, the uh, you know the business requirements, what the customer demands of them uh, of us is constantly changing. Uh, so, and and the beauty of change is some of which is in our control and some is not. Fifty percent of the skills we may have may not be relevant for twenty twenty five. 
I was just reading a McKinsey survey, which kind of, you know, spoke about skills that, you know, that organizations, uh, you know, kind of need to develop in their people. And well, social and emotional did top that list. Uh, I, I don't think that's a surprise. Uh, so I, I, I do think uh, that, uh, you know, some important future skills, uh, you know, that possibly uh, I would like to add to that. Actually, it's a very good list, Mia, already, but, uh, you know, probably data and digital is one that, uh, you know, clearly, um, uh, you know, comes, comes to my mind that we would like to add to that list. Mm. Great. What about you, Sanjeev? An example that I'd use, adaptability, change. I think the pace of change, the scale of change is huge. But I'm not telling the audience something they don't already know. Um, I think the key thing here, the way that the kind of metaphor that I would use is, you know, we've got to see ourselves as COOs, more like um, a master chef. We come up with the recipes, you know, through our knowledge and through our experience. And that's what we build, not just knowledge. Like you can read a book on how to swim, if someone throws you in the river, it's likely you're gonna drown. So you need the knowledge and the experience. Um, the challenge that we face with things like regulation, things like business development, you know, um, crypto assets, crypto custody, crypto trading, all this change that is coming our way, we need to systemize it. And you know, when we're trying to put that on our staff, that just puts a, a workload that they can't maintain. So what I think the kind of mantra that I've been given across um, the financial markets footprint, at least, is we need to structure recipes and have tech armies deliver those recipes. Um, and that's kind of the way I like to think about it. And we're going to keep on enhancing those recipes as things change. But we can't expect to keep increasing um, the manpower because it's just not sustainable. Um, so, yeah, I think in a nutshell, being adaptable, but looking at how you systemize and leverage technology to take the strain off our staff. You know, throwing uh, solutions that are temporary and band-aid are never going to help. And in the end, staff are just going to leave. And I, I suppose we'll touch more on staff retention and compounding return, just like Kega with staff retention. We can touch on that later. But I think adaptability is key. But how do we support that adaptability? We need to have time to think and it's come out in all the Google studies and Amazon and various people are saying it, but it's almost as if a lot of staff are still in the old school where they feel guilty for thinking and hypothesizing and they should just do. Um, and what I keep on telling the organization is let's not mistake movement for progress. Um, you need to think strategically. We need to systemize. And as I said, leverage that, leverage that tech army and do the recipes, build the recipes. Yeah. Absolutely. Making, making time for those balcony moments where you are thinking and strategizing. Great. I, lo I love the analogy to a master chef and, and that kind of iterative process of, of preparing and testing the recipes. Lovely. Um, Fatima, you mentioned uh, sort of the social and emotional skills that will be really critical. And, and in our previous web webinars, we really looked and focused on the skills that are central to the success of the COO role. Um, some of the, these are on indeed on the wheel on the left hand side here, but these are constantly uh, evolving in response to the changing landscape and the pressures and, and changes. Um, and now also include supporting employees' um, uh, mental health through a more empathetic leadership as we return to the workplace. Um, 
this is a relatively new-ish skill set. Especially in the last 18 months, there's been a lot of conversation and discussion and articles about, you know, the, the new times will require a new, more empathetic, more compassionate leader. And I'd just like to um, pose this question to both of you. What does empathetic leadership mean to you? And shall we start with Sanjeev? Um, I, think it's, I think it's just, I think it's really being genuine. And it's interesting how, you know, COVID and the situation has, it's for me, put a spotlight on things that we should have been doing all along. So people are now saying, oh, you know, my family, I need to connect with family, I need to connect with friends. People should be doing that anyway for their mental health and, you know, social well-being. Now we're saying, oh, you know, how do we get better at managing our stuff? We should have been doing that all along. All it's done is put a spotlight on what we should have been doing. COVID has just come up and amplified the need to do this. Um, so I think for me, it's about not not judging, being genuine and, and backing up what you actually say. You know, there's, there's a lot of eye rolling um, I've seen over the years when management, um, including when I've been speaking, when, you know, you genuinely try and put something across, people have become so cynical um, about organizations and what their real agenda is. Again, I've got a lot of sound bites I use at work. I'll give you another one. I always say people before the task. Um, I genuinely believe that because the task is only going to be, we're only going to be successful in the task and getting the job done if our people are happy. And the point that I mentioned before about compounded annual growth, it's, it's like your investment. You know, if I've got somebody in my team who's been working with me for three years, they understand how the team works, how the organization works. That's a lot of investment. That's a lot of compounded return, which is going to give me even more return. But coming back, not to, to kind of get distracted off your original question, authentic leadership is, for me, demonstrating through your actions exactly what you expect of others, holding to your promises, being empathetic, understanding that, you know what, sometimes all work won't get done. And, I, and that's why I think that statement people before the task is so powerful because as an organization we sometimes forget people have lives and we're so hungry on PL, we're so hungry on targets now don't get me wrong things need to get done but they'll be worked out it's not that important if someone's got an, an emergency issue or someone's stressed out no one's indispensable not even the ceos of our organization so that that in a nutshell is, is kind of my view mm. thank you sanjeev Fatima, what about you? Empathetic leadership. Sajif has given a very powerful uh, response already, so I'm not sure how much should I add in. But um, uh, you know, I, I kind of agree to you know all the points that uh, you know Sanjeev has mentioned. Uh, but uh, you know, just to probably put it in my words, I would say it's about listening. Uh, it's about genuine listening uh, uh, to you know what your teams have to say and trying to offer the support and help and. Uh, what this will end up doing for us is we'll have a real loyal team. And, uh, you know, I think loyalty, uh, you know, just, just in how Sanjeev expressed it more through numerics, I just think loyalty is not quantifiable at all, uh, but it's very powerful. And, uh, you know, it, it can significantly, uh, you know, help, uh, you know, the organization and eventually grow the shareholder value. So I think it's really about listening, not hearing, listening. Mm, lovely. 
Yes. Listening, putting people first. Um, yes, all, all very, um, very not new concepts at all. But, um, but I think, yes, uh, the crisis has shown a spotlight on all those things that we should have fixed a long, long time ago. Lovely. Um, let's then look at uh, some of what what are some of the impacts of stress uh, in the workplace. So stress affects people in different ways. What what stresses someone out may actually be exhilarating and, and exciting for another person. Um, and stress in and of itself is not a bad thing. In, in fact, there is some stress, you uh, stress, which is uh, very positive. Without it, we might actually feel quite unmotivated. It's the prolonged and persistent stress that prevents us from uh, going through the moving through that that natural cycle of trigger stress response and recovery. Uh, that is the unhealthy um, uh, unhealthy part of stress that then leads into both mental and physical challenges if not managed. In, in the worst case, we get stuck in that stress response. We never recover. And effectively, our bodies are shut in a permanent stress state. And that then will, uh, at worst, um, lead into burnout. So it's really important that we learn to identify and know yourself what your triggers are, as well as um, how to identify them in other people, those signs in other people, so that we can help them. Now, stress shows up in many different ways. Um, emotionally, we might get some of us might get overwhelmed or angry or irritable or anxious. Um, but there's also some physiological changes. Uh, we may have changes in appetite and digestion. Uh, we may feel tired and achy, have rashes or start grinding our teeth at, at night. Um, my daughter used to always be able to spot when I was stressed at work because she'd say, mommy, you sigh a lot. And I didn't understand this for a long, long time until I realized that when I'm stressed, I feel like my lungs can't get enough air and I'm taking really deep breaths. And to her at dinner table, that sounded like mommy sighing a lot. Uh, be behaviorally, uh, we can start losing our mojo. We can start withdrawing from other people. Um, some of us pick up bad eating habits or turn to drink and other substances. Um, but also in, in the thought patterns, you know, catching our own thought patterns. Um, some of us may get indecisive or irrational. Uh, we, may, we may encounter a lot more negative self-talk and doubt uh, or self-blame. Um, and, and we start lacking perspective when we're stressed. Now, as managers and leaders, I don't need to tell any, any of you this, but it's really helpful sometimes to really hit that pause button and reflect, you know, uh, what are we doing? How are we supporting genuinely our team members? And, and are we, how are we actively looking for these signs, albeit that in the current um, current environment where we're working from home and connecting by technology, um, it's, it's a bit harder to pick up on some of these cues. So um, one of the things I wanted to um, invite everyone, all of our participants to use the chat box for is, is if you have any great practices to share um, around how do you how do you find how do you sort of keep an eye on these signals and how do you help your teams feel free to share that in the chat so that we can learn from each other's experience. Okay, one more slide, if if I may, um, some wise words from. Um, Let's see. Oh, um, Gwen, did you want to add something in here? Sorry. 
Oh, no, not at all. It, it's, uh, I think we've all read it on the, on the right hand, on the, sorry, on the left hand side. Um, I think the, the opposite end of the spectrum when you get overstress is obviously a near death experience. And um, there, there has been many, many um, um, stories in the media. The one particular one that's been pretty uh, uh, viral is, is, is obviously this male colleague of ours uh, in financial services who obviously had a, a heart attack. And I think his recount in six points. Um, and what he's going to do about it is is actually really powerful. Um, it's a reminder that sometimes, um, you know, we are just humans. Mm. And uh, and like Sanji said, um, it will get done in the end. Um, it's just how much you push yourself, really. So as leaders, it is about figuring out what the triggers are and, and really being uh, far more aware than ever before that your team may not be right and and it's not because they say to you yes I'm fine that they're actually fine um, because they may not be talking about it openly but they're not right and, uh, and and it is about really figuring out what it is that uh, will make them talk to you or make them talk full stop so they don't come to a point where they burn out and have a heart attack yeah. I think it's just a reminder uh, we have we are we live on this planet for such a short amount of time. Just, just on that, Gwen, I think it's important to add, you know, from my experience, and, and I'm sure we can all relate to this, when I see people getting stressed, including myself, it's typically when you don't feel in control of the work that you're doing, you don't feel valued for the work that you're doing. For, so for the numerous people that I coach, informally it's a common thing that comes up and something else that comes up um, often are re- what I call reference points again that's my own my own tag wording um, and I think when it comes to not being in control it's about each of us making sure with our teams that they are very very clear on what good performance looks like and again, without sounding too flippant, it's not, we need to make the world a better place type statements. It's got to be very, very specific, measurable, so they can, they can work towards it and they feel comfort that if I achieve this, um, you know, I get rewarded. And also they should be able to talk about the level of workload they have as well. So some of the things that I do with my team is put out objectives, key results, have open conversations around capacity. I proactively push them on do you think you're capacitized? Um, in, in terms of values, again, making sure that you're talking to your boss or your team about what you consider value to be and having that open dialogue. The third point, which I mentioned about reference points, is a broader point. It's also linked to, to something called perfection anxiety. And in this day and age, we're bombarded with images of perfection. You know, um, as a middle-aged man, I'm supposed to have climbed Mount Everest, have a six-pack, have kids who've got swimming medals and gymnastic medals, have a, I don't know, have a PhD, Victoria's Secrets model partner, whatever the list goes on, right? And we, we just keep on looking for these gaps to, oh my God, I'm not there yet. So I think the reference points that we use as individuals and what our teams sometimes use are unrealistic. And that puts a hell of a lot of pressure on all of ourselves and our team. So I think that's another important point for people to accept that, you know what, you are going to mess things up. It happens. That's life. That's just a learning curve. And we've heard it time and time again, but we have to reiterate it because there is a massive machine pushing us towards being perfect with these perfect images. Mm. 
hugely valid points. And I think you beautiful. Um, I think one area where we've started to really open up and destigmatize the topic for real recently is is sports and athletics. There, there's some wise words here from the Olympic gold medalist, um, Caleb Dressel, who just broke the 100-meter freestyle Olympic record a couple of weeks ago in Tokyo and admits to actually having to be reclusive and, and, and withdraw from people when he's under stress um, and performing. And in fact, you know, another Olympic example, the U.S. gymnast Simone Biles, who withdrew from a competition in order to preserve her mental, mental well-being. And in June, we had, um, or June, July, we had Naomi Osaka, who withdrew from the French Open and skipped Wimbledon altogether. So um, I think that the time is, is really ripe for these conversations right now. It's out in the open arena. And, and uh, what Sanjeev mentioned there is to have a conversation with your teams. Are you capacitized? Are you, um, you know, can we do this? Is this, is this um, overwhelming or is this enough? You know, um, it's really bringing the conversation to the forefront. Okay, let's hear then uh, from our two guests. I'd love to sort of uh, pose a couple of questions for you specifically about how you manage stress for yourself and in your team. So, uh, Fatima, can I um, ask you to share maybe a, an example when, um, when stress has become a little too much or unhealthy for you? Um, how did you manage and what did you learn uh, from that experience that has helped you manage setbacks since? Sure, Mia, and uh, you know maybe I'll just uh, carry over the Olympians' examples that uh, examples that you gave. Uh, I'm not an ardent fan of Olympics, but definitely the Simone Biles example was, uh, you know, was something that caught my attention. I did read about it, and it's it's amazing how you know the Olympians they persevere they persevere through through the pandemic, left their families behind. They're performing in empty uh, stadiums. Uh, so I think the demonstration of grit and performance is commendable. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, these examples uh, from uh, Simone and uh, Naomi, they just kind of, you know, emphasize or reinforce the message that, you know, sometimes taking a step back to take two steps forwards is perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly required. And that's the true sign of uh, signs of resilience. So I think, I mean, talking um, specifically through my experience, I would say that COVID times for me has been a period when I thought stress was getting very unhealthy for me. Uh, so I had never worked from home in my entire career. And in this case, it was not only about getting myself personally ready, but it was parallelly, uh, you know, um, managing the operational, infrastructural and the emotional journey for the, for the wider trading floor, which was challenging. Uh, different human beings tend to have a very different response to the pandemic. So balancing safety, balancing business continuity and individual fears was emotionally draining. What got particularly unsettling for me was that I used to have my laptop on 24 by 7, never switch it off. Uh, and I was never personally switched off completely for work. And with no travel you know, staying indoors, uh, I, I realized this was having an impact on my sleep and productivity. Uh, there were occasions when I have sent emails at very weird hours. And, uh, you know, that that kind of it, 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 it's also, you know, what kind of messaging that was going out to the team. So some steps that I took for this and, you know, just to uh, carry forward in terms of what examples I have, you know, used personally to overcome this 
was that now i very actively started shutting down my laptop every single day i also have a change of scene between workplace and post work because before everything was like you know i mean just just doing everything on that desk uh i also uh, you know started going for a run and you know just taking a walk or just about standing and staring out of the window more than what i did before and then it was about making virtual connections taking times to check in and using all this great technology and that had all this combined helped me adapt to the new normal uh so i would say like being resilient helps one manage setbacks and resilience is not about how you recharge but it's 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 really about how how you recharge it's not about how you endure and what happens is you know with all the pressure job you just feel oh you know one more mail one more assignment but actually that does not help so we need recovery periods and this is something which i am trying to practice which is building recovery periods into my uh, you know work day uh so you know we all have heard of zoom fatigue and you know i mean our calendars are no different i'm i'm seeing all the you know ceos here i'm sure the you know meetings are packed with zoom uh you know with zoom invites uh, from morning to evening but what i have started doing is uh, you know blocking some time off and you know ensuring that we have a recovery period because honestly the key to resilience is to try really hard then stop and then try again So yeah that's that's a bit of my sharing. Thank you. Thank you but I love that resilience is is about how we recharge not about how we endure. I definitely um share that that view as well. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um what about you Sanjeev? Any examples and and tips on how how you you've managed stress in your life? You know, but more examples of how I haven't managed stress in my life but that's a that's probably another conversation. um it, it's uh, the way i put it across is if someone ran a marathon you wouldn't expect them to run another marathon straight after it but we do that to ourselves you know we're always running basically marathons and the way that i describe it especially in the coo space and in the world of banking when you talk to other people in other industries and i'm not knocking other industries but the intensity of our industry is huge mm-hmm. so the example that i use is you know somebody i said to somebody you know i did a 10 hour day and then somebody else says oh i did a 10 hour day as well and it's basically like saying right you traveled a mile i traveled a mile you walked the mile i sprinted the mile and i sprinted the mile up a 45 degree incline it's very very different and that's the kind of intensity that we face um i think for me i do the standard practice which i think most people know about meditate i make sure i drink a lot of water i make sure i get my sleep I get my health and fitness in, I get my green juice in, I get my exercise in. I think all those kind of standard tick box things which which most of us know we should do. I think the more powerful thing is giving myself permission mentally to fail. Like I remember one of my first big failures at work and I was massively massively devastated. Um because I I'd been luckily I'd been successful luckily and unluckily I'd been very successful for a number of years in my career so when I when I faced failure it was a massive hit to my ego because I'd never failed before and again when you a lot of people like I mentioned before in our in our lines of work have this kind of perfection anxiety it's a bit like I don't know about others like people who scroll on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media app some of us get glued to our email and we have to respond and we have to do this because 
again, we associate our value and our identity with work. A lot of us do. Oops. Oh, Sanjeev, I'm afraid we've, we've lost your audio. It is about having yeah. a healthy balance. It's about having back. So I won't, I won't speak for too long because I can speak for quite a while. Um, basically, it's about having a healthy balance and having more to your life than just work. I think that's, that's the key thing. So again, like I said, the meditation, the exercise, we all know about those things. I think it's about making sure that you take time to do fun activities. And a question that I'd ask everybody on this call, not to answer now, but what do you do for fun? And it's not meditation. It's not having a good diet. It's not exercise. Some of you might exercise, but that's with a reason to achieve something. What do you do that's just sheer fun, just sheer play? And I think that's healthy. Fantastic. Thank you. And, and with, with your long list of uh, meditation, drinking water, exercise, sleep, looking after those basics, you've just reminded me of a really good article that I often recommend to my coaching clients um, from a Harvard Business School, um, Harvard Business Review. It's called Manage Your Energy, Not Your Time. It's an old article, but I, I still I swear by it. I think it's, it's fantastic. So really good resource. Okay. Um, so uh, how do you then ensure um, that your team also manages stress? I mean, what, what are some of the signals perhaps that you look for and, and how do you promote well-being in the team? Fatima, would you like to start? Sure. Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, part of this is, um, I mean, a lot of this, uh, you know, what, what Sanjeev mentioned in terms of, um, in terms of you know the exercise etc i mean i think this is what has come to the fore uh, in covid and a lot of people have uh, you know started doing it in fact i can see some of my team members here and i know one of them who started going for saturday walks uh, <laughs> with uh, you know with uh, with her friends but um, i mean i would say that uh, you know it's important to uh, you know this is the old days where you know we were literally sitting next to each other and uh, you know you could observe a lot more and you could kind of see your team member in stress because uh, you know there, there's a lot of body language that you could watch nowadays with the virtual environment that is missing for managers so i think what's important uh, or, or some things that i've done is you know we've got like virtual chat rooms where we all stay connected uh, you know try to have as many virtual meetings but not you know i mean again this is a fine balance because otherwise the meetings have also got uh, you know too many but i think just about the the uh, piece that you are there right as in if someone needs you the fact that you know they go on symphony and they're able to chat to you know chat with me and tell me that hey can i have a you know quick five minutes quick 10 minutes is uh you know to me powerful because you know you've you've created an open channel between you and your team and if someone needs some time off or you know there's a bit of a you know emergency to take care of etc uh, then you're able to uh, you know kind of free that time unfortunately i mean the the job is pressured it's not that we've got you know um, uh, access to a you know a large number of resources so you know to sanjee's point if i'm going to go saying capacity planning etc i mean yes uh, of course, you know, we will all get some resources, but it's not, you know, that you're going to be able to add to a lot of, uh, you know, people. So again, it's about how do you make your job sustainable? You know, how do you bring in, uh, you know, digital elements? How do you cut on the dead tasks? How do you watch out for emotional 
emotional indicators within your team and uh, you know more importantly just be there for them when they need you mm. so being available to your team yeah bringing that uh, in that uh, empathetic leadership to the forefront is what i'm hearing yeah yes. thank you sanjeev i don't think you can replace unfortunately you can't replace human interaction i was actually i've got two teenage daughters and i was having this conversation with them and the example that i gave them they were saying why can't we just communicate why do we need to be in person and i do believe in an energy exchange when we meet so the example that i gave them was why don't you get a pot plant put it in front of the television and have an image of the sun on the television and let's see if the pot plant actually grows and we know the we know the answer to that yeah. so without that human interaction you know i think that's something that can never be replaced through you know whether it be zoom skype ms teams however in absence of that what can we do we we have to introduce a human element for our staff so what i've done across my team i'll give you a few examples i hold a virtual coffee meeting and mm-hmm. um, so i've got my management team holding virtual coffee meetings with their team members and it's typically we don't want to talk about work it's just you know half an hour have a catch up let's just see what's going on celebrating birthdays celebrating new joiners having emails going out we've got virtual games room that we've set up so you can do virtual games it's just to promote interaction across the team and make people feel human rather than just talking about work so those are some of the examples i'd like to share mm lovely i i loved uh, the analogy of of the you know human interactions being like the sun to the plants um yes we all need that in order to thrive yes okay um what about then this this increased focus on well-being and how it's going to affect or how it's already affecting the role and responsibilities of a coo cco um how do you feel about that what what are your views and Sanjeev, would you like to start? Um, so I was, I, was, I, was double, I, was, I was looking really, I shouldn't be doing this, but I was reading the chat. <laughs> I was reading the chat question at the same time. Um, was, was the question on how, how does the organization deal with well-being? Is that? You know? uh, more, more about the, the increased focus on well-being on, on the role of the COO. So what, what's the implications and how do you feel about that in sort of that kind of more of a pastoral care, so to speak? I think we've we've always had ours hasn't at standard charter not with I can speak for financial markets it hasn't dramatically changed because we've got a really really strong md who looks after well-being for financial markets he's always been there he's always been very very vocal and he's always been putting out fantastic content you know getting us involved in things so i think for us as a coo organization i think it's become more amplified i think we've become more focused on it because we know our staff are struggling without that social and human interaction and we spoke about some of the things that we're doing but when it comes to the role of coo what we've done is we've appointed well-being officers within standard chartered and what they do is they kind of share best practice knowledge articles um across financial markets as to how we can work better with our staff and again practices such as virtual coffees um Uh, having kind of birthday celebrations having awards for outstanding performance these are things that we share across multiple teams they're not originated from my world we're kind of sharing them and we're 
we're doing that. So, so for us, it's, it's not necessarily a new thing. It's an increased focus and it's just more of the same. Mm. Great. Thank you. Fatima, what about you at HSBC? Uh, so, uh, you know, as a CEO, I mean, specifically to your question, I think CEOs play an important role, uh, you know, in promoting and designing some of these initiatives. Mm-hmm. And then purely from, you know, from, from your perspective, it's like, how do you uh, kind of be enablers for the team so that, you know, you can make it happen. So be it, you know, communication, you know, creating the buzz around, uh, you know, these um, activities, because again, you know, what, what tends to happen is everyone has a busy day and then, you know, people, so, you know, it's like, how do you create the buzz? How do you have people, uh, you know, free their time so that, uh, you know, they're able to attend some of these, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is very uh, valuable. And in fact, uh, you know, I'll call out one uh, one such initiative that we did. And again, I know some, uh, you know, some of the attendees here did participate. So, I mean, HSBC, we uh, we had, um, we gave access to something called the Kaido Challenge. And then this was like, um, uh, you know, an app, et cetera, that you download. And then you log in, uh, you know, you, you create a team and then you log in your fitness, physical, mental, et cetera, activities. And, you know, you do it for a period of time. And again, I, you know, whilst we had, uh, you know, we clearly had the very strong, uh, uh, you know, fitness champions in our team, but this was not about more, but it was how do you make small changes in your habits and and uh, how do you make small changes and make, make it your habit? So I think it was fun because, again, we had a virtual team uh, across Asia and, uh, you know, everyone's like kind of seeing each other's scores and, you know, you're doing some activities in team, et cetera. More importantly, you're taking those 10, 15 minutes out of your schedule on a daily basis to kind of do something different. And it was all well-being and, uh, you know, mental health uh, related. So it was quite, uh, you know, quite exciting mm. one that I participated in as well. Mm. And is there, is there anything else that your organization is specifically doing to promote sort of mental well-being that you think is is unique uh, in in the industry or or really helpful? No, absolutely. I think HSBC has uh, you know our, our firm's focus on uh, you know well being is quite strong. In fact, our well being ambition is to create an environment that improves the health and happiness of our colleagues and the people they serve. Uh, so uh, there's a focus. There's a lot of focus on mental health. And uh, this includes, as you mentioned, Mia, you know, there's an employee assistance program, there's education, there's also an ability employee resource group that, you know, more, in, uh, you know, more in, uh, people who are like excited about this can be a part of. Uh, another one I'll call out, which again, I have personally used is that our organization gave free access to the Headspace app. And, uh, you know, therefore, every employee can, uh, you know, have a personal uh, Headspace app connection and, you know, kind of practice mindfulness. This is, I mean, I'm, I must admit, I've not practiced it, uh, you know, a lot, but I think it's a, it's a great initiative. And, you know, on days when you are finding it a bit hard to sleep, uh, you know, it's good to listen into one of their stories. Uh, then the second aspect is, you know, the social well-being, where again, we've got like flexible working policy, again, a lot of comms and awareness, um, you know, initiatives around that. Uh, then again, physical health, there are a lot of, you know, Zoom sessions around yoga and, you know, a lot of other uh, kind of classes, uh, uh, fitness classes that, uh, you know, people, uh, sometimes we've got like employees who are actually, uh, you know, giving a class. Uh, so yeah, and and then there is the aspect around financial health as well. So uh, we we also you know give our employees access to financial security learning modules, 
and then there is an employee as a customer team which you know kind of work hard to try to uh, you know look at this aspect for employees so i think it's a very um, you know well rounded uh, you know program that is looking at all these aspects of uh, well being great thank you and so to ask the question if that's okay so we've yes. got a few minutes left there's, there's a question yes. in the chat i'd like to ask sanjeev and fatima it is indeed about working in a global environment and so it's very early here in the uk it's uh, it's the end of the afternoon for you here in apac um and then it's probably not the end of your day i'm sure uh, it's the beginning of hours so we are, we are kind of constantly communicating and that's fantastic but at what point do you do you say enough is enough so the question is how do you manage all these zoom calls and these night calls or very early morning calls and how do you actually get that balance right what do you think sanjeev i think um it's got to be done from the top um like i, I read the question it was an interesting one from rasida about how do you manage this and encourage your organization to be mindful i think i could give a lecture about how you know i wouldn't accept calls or i'd cancel calls or i'd ask for an objective i'd understand you know why it's not what i call a tea and biscuits meeting where there's an actual objective and there's an actual outcome but it it's it's i think that's easy for senior leadership to do because you've got that power base i think a lot of um more junior staff don't feel as empowered so i think it's a cultural it's it's a cultural shift it's it's telling line managers to be mindful and i think it's as simple as that for me i think it's me for instance with my team telling my managers to ask their staff how they are to be mindful of the hours to be mindful of output to be mindful of meeting times as well uh, most i know we're running out of time but i i probably cancel i would say a third of all meetings i'm invited to um because they just when i go into them they make zero difference you know it's what why i call it tea and biscuit meetings in the old days i'm showing my age but we used to be in these boardrooms and we always used to be served tea and biscuits <laughs> in meetings and most people used to just come for the tea and biscuits and actually not walk away with anything so i'd always call those tea and biscuit meetings where you don't actually have a tangible outcome so those are kind of things that we should feel empowered to push back on and just asking healthy questions like how does my involvement actually make a change why can we not do this via email if you want to inform me send me a document um what's the objective like what are we going to have as an outcome and i always when we work meetings i get my team to do it back to front when we walk out of that meeting what will we have achieved and when you force people to start thinking like that i think it's healthy because you know a lot of the meetings once i've asked that question actually get cancelled it's also about the power of saying no which sometimes we uh, we are not very good at and I won't be coming to this meeting for this particular reason. So that's really good. Thank you Sanjeev. But Fatima, do you have anything else to add on this? Yeah. Uh, no, I think just one point, right? Like I mean, uh, we try to set up some ground rules with uh, you know London that at least on a Friday evening, uh, you know, we we don't accept uh, meetings beyond and it's it's quite reciprocal. I mean, you you realize that sometimes it's just that no one has asked and therefore you know they're just used to booking it uh, at a particular time. But the moment you kind of express your uh, your wish it's it's sometimes very easily heard so i think that's uh, you know that's one example uh, and and then i think it's 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 a lot personal also so you know i mean then try to build in the flexibility so if you really have an urgent and important meeting that you need to take because i mean you know in our roles it's uh, sometimes uh, it's 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 a bit 
of a life, we say we're not going to have an instance when we have to take a slightly late meeting. Uh, then again, you know, I mean, uh, what I tend to do is if I really can't make it, then I try to understand what is expected of me. And I try to, you know, fill it in uh, via an email ahead of the meeting or, um, uh, you know, otherwise I just, just build in some flexibility ahead of that meeting so that you're completing your personal stuff um, and, and you're just ready to take that meeting. Thanks. Thank you. I am conscious of time. We are just going to have to wrap up. There was a, um, a slide I wanted to show you around the taking actions bit. Um, it's mm -hmm. obviously going to be a summary of everything that we've been talking about now, but um, um, it is it is really a like a summary, like I said. So um, how how can you manage uh, pressure points and obviously stressful environments is obviously being honest and open honest with yourself first and foremost the power of saying no the power of pushing back and also the power of understanding that you can't do it all you're just a human being after all um, so keep that in mind at all times um, seeking clarity seeking support if you are if you there's more piling, piling on your plate um, probably understanding what the capacities are in your team and whether you can actually do it right now whether you can delay it and why communication is key obviously here um, having an adaptable mindset with stretch thinking is obviously going to be very important here as we move forward because we will uh, be requiring new skill sets in um, in this role so just being able to apply the life lessons that we've learned over the past two years and actually moving forward thinking what have I learned and what do I need to know now uh, to move forward in my career is probably going to be helpful in managing your, your stress levels. Taking control of your day is also going to be very helpful. Removing half of your or maybe a third of your meetings is probably going to be, uh, as Sanji said, probably very helpful for you. Um, Self-operation is also one as point number five. Point number six is eat, exercise, sleep. I think um, you know, all the, 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 probably what we need to be reminded of, but what is actually natural to us as human beings. Um, thank you very much. Any words of uh, summary for, from you, Fatima, if I'd like to start with you before we, we uh, wrap up? I would just say a very big thank you for, you know, having, having, having me here and it was wonderful and thanks to the lovely audience. Thank you, Sanji. Yeah, thank you for letting me attend this call. And I'd just say, just to kind of finish, Everybody needs to be easier on themselves. Be a lot kinder to yourself. Don't push yourselves so hard. Like I said, you don't need that kind of perfect reference model that the world is pushing on us. Just be kinder to yourself. Mm. Be kinder to yourself. And, and the last one from me, healthy is the new wealthy. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Sanjeev and Fatima. Have a wonderful rest of the day and see you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.